0: And let's have a moment of prayer as we hear the call of the kingdom. Lord, may we hear your voice speaking to us. And in that, may the words of my mouth and may the thoughts of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our King and our Redeemer. Amen. So, back to the early church in our reading and the contemporary church in our experience and what's the connection. There is, I think, a strong connection. There are things that happened way back two millennia ago at the beginning of the church that are still happening today. There are people back then being baptized are people today. And so we can bridge this gap in our thinking this morning. As we go back to the story that's been read to us, we hear there good news. And that's something that we believe as a church and as churches of Christ, wherever we are, churches of Jesus Christ, that we've been entrusted with good news to share with other people. In people's response to that good news, there's a change of life. There's turning around, and we heard that in both uh, Pete and Lucy's stories to us, how life is affected, life is turned around, life has a different direction. There are new priorities. There is faith there in that story in the book of Acts, and that's sometimes in difficult times that people have a sense, yes. I know where my life is grounded, where the center of my life is. My faith is in Jesus Christ. There's baptism. There's forgiveness of sins. And this is part of, of what the water of baptism is about. It's like a cleansing. It's, it's the water flowing, and, and just as water physically cleans, so forgiveness is a cleaning. It's a cleansing. It's a renewal and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And as we've prayed today, we've prayed for that coming of the Spirit upon each of us, but especially today, uh, we think of Pete and Lucy and pray for that gift of the Spirit. Now, in the baptismal event and the renewal of baptismal vows today, uh, it's maybe slightly different to what you've seen before. But actually through the story of the church, there are many different things that have happened in terms of the way baptism has taken place and uh, the experiences of baptism. When I first became a minister in a a fairly small church, uh, the first couple who asked as as adults to be baptized in this church, they'd fairly recently become uh, Christians and they were in their 30s, and uh, we spoke about baptism and um, Surely, the wife, explained to me that she was absolutely petrified about water. And uh, so we went through this whole thing about, you know, how do you get baptized if you're petrified about water? Uh, and so she said, well, we had a baptismal pool in the church. She said, if, if I could just kind of kneel down in the pool, then maybe I would get a bit easier about uh, this whole thing of being in water. Uh, and so I said, fine, you know, it doesn't matter. Sometimes, and mostly in, uh, in my experience, we were putting people under like this, uh, under the water, but she was, that wasn't going to work for her. So we did this whole thing, and she was doing this kneeling down bit, and uh, we were just getting to the point of the water and getting under the water, and she just absolutely froze. You know, she just saw this water, and that was it. There was no way she was going under that water. So, you know, you have a kind of moment of thinking, how do I play this one? You know, do I shove her under the water? Uh, or do I just kind of suddenly look and see if there's a bucket? You know, it wasn't Camborne, there was no bucket to sort of do this, the rest of it. So, you somehow get through these things. Um, and uh, then, uh, when I moved on later to a second church, the very first person who had wanted to become a member of the church said, I've been baptized, uh, but it was in a fountain Oh, yeah? How did this happen? He said, well, I went to a meeting. They invited people to become Christians at this meeting, and uh, I became a Christian at this meeting, and I was walking home, and my friend was with me, uh, and uh, we passed this fountain, and I said to my friend, well, I've become a Christian. Could I be baptized? And the friend, I'm not sure this was the wisest thing, but the friend said, yeah, sure, you know, you can be baptized, and so they a friend baptized him in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in this fountain as they were going home. So then they came to our church and said, well, you know, is this a real baptism uh, or whatever? And uh, somebody said, has he got a certificate to prove that he was, <laughs> he was baptized in the fountain? And, um, well, he didn't have a certificate, but anyway, we said, yeah, sure, he was baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and there was a, pretty much an amount of water that was uh, involved. So, so, there's some experiences. And uh, when, I, when Janice and I lived in Eastern Europe, you had many stories in, in Eastern Europe about baptisms. And uh, uh, usually in the really difficult periods in the persecution of Christians, um, these would take place at night and people would go to the river. And the ultimate, and this was, you know, they often loved to tell this story, to go at night in the winter To the pond nearby uh, and break open the ice, a hole in the ice to baptize somebody, you know, unless you've really done that. You haven't, you know, really lived. So I'm not sure that risk assessment was one of the big things, you know, with this kind of procedure. But anyway, just to say over the story of the church, so many different things have happened um, in so many different ways. And the early church story is not there to say we must be exactly the same in every way as happened in the early church. There's many, many varieties of church life over the time. But there are some really, really important central things that happened, as I've already said. To come to a point of turning round in your life, to come to faith, to come to forgiveness of sins, to come to the gift of the Spirit, uh, to be baptized, to come into the community, all these things are still important. And what do we read about how that community worked? This is the thing really to focus on for uh, our thoughts this morning. It worked because they were connected with Jesus. The apostles' teaching that we read about was really a connection with who was Jesus, what was this all about, and how can we understand that together? And we're doing that at this moment. Teaching is happening. But it happens in many ways. When we had the Bible reading during Lent, reading the whole Bible uh, during Lent, the people who participated in that discussed it together, that's teaching. When we're in home groups together, that's teaching. When we're perhaps listening, if we're not able to be here on a Sunday, to uh, things that are up on our website. There's a lot of different teaching that is going on. And we want to maximize that. We want uh, to really get to grips with what it means to live the Christian life. And it's not about teaching just so that we know things. It's teaching that makes a difference in our lives. This week I was in Adenbrooks, as I am usually uh, each week uh, doing chaplaincy work, and uh, I met a lady of 102 in uh, in the hospital, very much alive, uh, had no intention of dying anytime soon as far as I could see, uh, and... uh, she was talking about the Bible, what it meant to her, a Christian lady. And um, she said, these are some of my favorite scriptures, like we had this morning. You know, she had these things that she wanted to tell me about. But the really significant thing for me was the staff around were saying, what an amazing woman. And uh, one of them actually said, it's just an honor to be anywhere near that, that lady. And I thought, that's what it's about. You know, she knows the bible then well, that's great but what a difference her faith has made in her life and these are staff maybe some christians but not christians as well are are, are noticing what a difference that makes so so teaching is actually life transforming that's really what we're committed to here in camborne church and then there's fellowship the uh, the apostles teaching the teaching is there but also fellowship and that's uh, a powerful word in the New Testament fellowship, koinonia. It's about sharing things together. That's the real meaning of, of that word. It's about partnership. Uh, in some places, we read about this sharing in the Holy Spirit. They're sharing, actually, also in suffering. Sharing in Christ's suffering, the same word of fellowship. We're connected together, not only in the good times, but in the hard times, we're there for each other. So there's this sharing and this giving. And fellowship is actually also about financial giving. So I think it's significant we're talking about this today because next Sunday we have our gift day and that's an opportunity to be involved in giving. And this early church undoubtedly took this seriously, didn't they? Lots of people coming and giving some pretty big amounts of money to the church. Uh, there was no one needy. People were helping each other. Owners of lands and houses selling them. It's, it's staggering, really, to, to think about this and the amount of sharing of fellowship that was going on, people uh, wanting to give to the church. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, who was put to death by the Nazis towards the end of the Second World War, said, to be in a community like this is not an ideal that we must somehow create, as if we could create this kind of community. It is a reality created by God, he said, in which we may participate. So, we're invited into this community of God, this community of the Spirit, invited to participate in that, to be part of the teaching, to be part of the fellowship, to be breaking bread together, uh, as we do in our communion services, but also in sharing in uh, our homes together and in prayers, as we've already done this morning. So, what is it to be, in a way, this New Testament kind of church? Not to think that we can do everything that was there when we go back to the book of Acts. Not to think that necessarily we will baptize 3,000 people on one day, and if we've not done that, we've failed. That's not what it's about. It's not about looking at every word in the text and saying, am I going to fulfill that? Because they met in the temple. Well, we're not meeting in a temple, are we? But they also met in homes. And that at least says to us, there are times for us to meet together in bigger meetings like this, but there's times for us to meet together intimately in smaller groups. So these are the ways in which we're trying in Camborne Church uh, to see the reality and the relevance of the New Testament church. And the final thing I want to say is there's no question when you read from the book of Acts chapter 2 and onwards that this church was looking outside itself. It was looking out to see who was around and who could be added to the church. And that's a really important vision that we have for the future. We've got a vision that is beginning to emerge of what we're calling missional communities, uh, communities of people who are learning together who are learning what it means to be disciples together and who are learning what it means to engage in relevant mission together in this community and as that is done as we go back to the new testament as we go back to other examples uh, through the story of the church and what is happening today this whole idea of a church that draws people in uh, to me uh, is an inspiring one and It is with this sense of thanksgiving to God for what he's done today in our service and what he's going to do in the future, that like the early church, we praise God, we thank him, and we celebrate what he is doing and what he is going to do in the future.